Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast with the Pro Sports Assembly series here with my co-host of the series, Kareen Million. Really excited to have our guests on in Kim Hoey from the Golden State Warriors, Manager of Partnership Insights, and Bridget Gannon from the National Basketball Retired Players Association, Senior Director of Social Impact and Events. Um, excited to talk about their career paths, kind of their perspectives being in the industry, um, and we'll, we'll get into it. So, Kim, we'll start with you. Um, you've got the Go Blue in the background, Michigan grad, but, uh, you know, kind of give us a quick GPS of how you got to where you are right now and, um, you know, what's what's one of the things you enjoy the most about working within the sports industry? Yeah, hey, everyone. Um, Hi, Kim. In Michigan, um, you talked about my my path. I think there's a lot of things that tie back to Michigan with, you know, Michigan connections and whatnot and networking. But um, first roll out of school, started at the NFL um, in the Culver City office on the digital um, advertising media sales team and an account management role. Um, and then shifted to the TV linear side, actually, in a similar account management role um, for Fox Sports um, in Chicago, managing um, our advertiser, you know, book of business, getting them placed in NFL, World Series, um, college football, stuff like that. Um, those were kind of my my uh, roles on the account management side. And from there, shifted into a sales role um, at the Chicago Fire. So getting some experience on the MLS side, so selling sponsorships. Um, and now in kind of my latest roles, I've been in strategy and data analytics. Um, and, and now at the Warriors. So it's been a nice kind of path to get kind of experiences on the account management side, sales, and now strategy, um, you know, experiencing what it's like to be on the league side, the TV network side, and the team side. Um, favorite thing to work, favorite thing about working in sports? Um, I think it's just, it's a fun industry. I mean, our coworkers are young. Um, we're not just you know, staring at the computer and numbers all day, like we're having fun working games and whatnot. Um, obviously, the flip side of that is there are long hours, but um, on the, you know, on the whole, it's a, it's a fun industry, in my opinion. Kim, I'm, I'm thinking about even just kind of in parallel to a little bit of my experience on both partnership activation side, uh, a little bit of the strategy analytics and the sales side now, like what's what's been the biggest difference between working in roles where you have a, a distinct difference in your day-to-day, -day, right? Like sales, completely different grind, completely different focus, you know, account management, right? Same thing, entirely different. You're working in uh, different groups, but also internally and externally. Then on the strategy side, a little bit more internally focused. Like how do you go about the mindset behind what you do? And then Bridget, we'll get to you. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. The mindset from account management, and sales is very different from what I'm doing um, right now. It's very numbers driven, um, right? On the account management and sales side, you're more externally facing with clients. Um, you're always on. Um, and um, I think that's a piece of it, right? Good people skills there. Um, in this specific role, still obviously need good people skills. It's more of internal selling that you're doing, trying to get buy through to get approvals on kind of cross departmental projects um, and thinking big picture for a strategic outlook for kind of setting up our entire partnerships team for the future. Um, so 
Um, I think in this specific analytical role, there are times where I'm just like locked in, like in Tableau working super, super focused there on that sort of project. And that's a very different sort of day-to-day um, setup than if I was managing accounts or um, you know, doing prospecting and then doing a bunch of outreach on the phone or email in my sales role. Corrine, you want to run with Bridget? Yeah, no, I appreciate these conversations because when I joined Pro Sports Assembly, one of my favorite aspects of it has been meeting so many new people and uh, living in Atlanta, not, not in Atlanta, about 45 miles north of the city. I don't get out much, and uh, especially during the pandemic. And the first times I got out of the city and I went to a city I could never live in, Chicago, Bridget, I just don't even know. You are the right person to live in Chicago. Um, but uh, Bridget was one of the first people I met. Kim was one of the first people I met um, virtually. So having this conversation, it excites me because um, they're just doing such great work and Bridget is journey is a little different from Kim's. And I just want, to make sure people know that there are folks out here in this industry who are, are ready for their next opportunity or just someone to watch. And that's what's important for me and Bridget's converse, uh, intro here. So Bridget, welcome to Life in the Front Office. Front, uh, Life in the Front Office. Well, thank you. It's great to be here and to be here with Kim. I mean, she's someone that I've only met because of Pro Sports Assembly. And every time that we're either in, you know, we were a rise cohort, uh, cohort mates together. And so I always just, you know, hearing her insights and um, we're obviously from different ends of the um, the sports industry. And so I'll I'll get into mine a little bit, but it's just, this is what Pro Sports Assembly is about. You know, it's a very small industry, but Kim is not someone who I would have known because our departments don't really cross paths unless we were at the same team. So I'm appreciative of, you know, the inclusiveness that Pro is bringing to our space. But um, yeah, so I'm Bridget Gannon. I've been in professional sports for 14 years now, and my path is a little bit more non-traditional. Um, I went to college in Washington, D.C. I'm from Philly originally, so I'm very passionate about sports and um when I was choosing the summer before my junior year, really where to intern and kind of understand what industry I wanted to go into, I was just a business management major. Um, I didn't do anything specific because I didn't want to pigeonhole myself from future opportunities, but I knew I'm so passionate about sports. People are passionate about sports. Sports is a universal unifier. Sports will never go away. Like all of a sudden we're not gonna wake up one day and there's no sports jobs in this country, right? Um, my mom had an instance where what she went to college for textile design in the seventies, all of a sudden there were all the jobs went overseas. And so I strategically did not want that to happen to me because I was paying a lot of not my own money but uh, you know, was getting a lot of loans to go to college. So anyway, I was not in a familial or financial situation where I could take unpaid internships. So what I did was luckily, thank God for the Washington Capitals back in 2007, they were horrible and no one wanted to work games for them. So if I was back at home or if I had went to, you know, St. Joe's Temple Drexel, working for the Flyers or any of the teams up there would have been tough, but the Caps, they had positions open, game day positions, and it was great because I would do my classes. 
Um, I would do my work study. And then at night I would wear capitals games and I got paid for it. But I made sure that I was talking to all the front office staff. I was trying to meet people in other departments, not just in guest services. And that's really where I started to see all like kind of like the curtain was pulled away and you see all the different departments that make a team work and that also make a game day work. And that's when I realized community relations is a part of sports. That just speaks to me at the core of who I am. I just want to do good for others. And if I can get paid to do that, amazing. But the thing, and, and this kind of ties into what I love about working in sports and especially my area is, as I said, sports brings people together, but sports also has the power to drive so much change. And I feel like, you know, we're really starting to see that now. We're starting to see how teams are realizing, hey, we can actually unlock a lot of good here. Athletes are realizing, wait, wait, you know, Charles Barkley might've said years ago, I'm not a role model, but we are role models and we do have all this power. And look at what happened in, you know, in Georgia last year with people getting out the vote and athletes trying to tell people, you know, you also have the power to make change too. Let's make change together. It's this whole stronger uh, together mentality, like let's be a team here. And so I just love it. It's an amazing time to be in social impact, to be in sports philanthropy. And it's where, you know, my career is based and it's just exciting to see what can happen in the future. But it wasn't easy getting here. Like I said, I, I worked games. Uh, then I was at the Nationals. I worked in their box office selling tickets at games, and it was a horrible uniform. Um, that led to me being an administrative assistant for ballpark operations and finance. That was a bizarre hybrid situation, but I learned a lot, um, especially about Ellie um, lead facilities. And then finally, um, a Dream Foundation role opened, and I was able to put all my eggs in the, the sports philanthropy back, um, basket. But that's just a little bit about my, my path and um, you know what I'm doing now, what I'm excited about in my space. And also just a reminder to people out there that you know there are opportunities to get paid at the earliest entry levels in sports. You just have to look for them and don't, don't feel bad about being a game day employee. Everybody has to start somewhere. Yes, I, you know, I have to be honest. I, I don't think I even knew there's a National Basketball Retired Players Association. I knew there's a the basketball, I knew players retired and I knew there was an MBPA, but I just didn't think that there would be a need for that space. So when we first met, I, that was so intriguing to me, how you're able to unlock that good with that community of, of athletes, because when they retire, they become so many different things and they have so many different platforms as business owners, as personalities, as community leaders. So I, I admire that space and I'm so happy that um, Kim, you and Kim connected because I, it's the future is going to be more people are going to think about good. And I think young people, the next generation, they're coming in with that mindset of, we can make profits and do good as well. And that's what you're all about, Kim. I feel like in um, in the Bay Area, the Warriors, you know, like sustainability, you know, all that stuff is a big part of um, pro sports now too, right? So um, it's great. Bridget, one thing you said that, that struck me, I was, is, you know, the foundation side, like, 
being able to fundraise, do good and be part of pro sports that like you wouldn't think about it off the bat because everyone just thinks about fundraising. They think about, you know, all of the different nonprofits out there that are, you know, much more important causes than sports like cancer, or, you know, heart association, whatever it might be. And then you think next immediately fundraising, you think college athletics, because that's what, you know, is really the driver from a revenue perspective. And then you look at the foundation and you're like, foundation, like, what do they really do? You know, and, but every single team has a foundation of some sort, you know, they might call it, you know, something different, whether it's care or this or that, but um, Bridget, can you just expand quickly on kind of what a foundation is for an organization and kind of how you can get into it? Because they're going to continue to grow bigger and bigger. Yeah, sure. So it is something that we're seeing, you know, really increase right now. In the past, pretty much every team had a community relations department, right? And they were doing good in the community. But it could be something as simple as, you know, we're going to earmark, like, say, 1% of tickets we're going to give it to the local city library. There's going to be a summer reading program and kids who read um, books will get Phillies tickets. I remember that from when I was a little kid. Um, and so some teams might just check that box and say, great, we did our CR thing. They might do like one hospital visit um, with their players and be like, we checked that box. But we started seeing um, a few years ago, MLB made a mandate that each team have its own foundation. And that is a straight up 501c3 nonprofit arm. So it is part of the organization, but it is separate. Sometimes you do feel very, very separate and you feel like you're on your own island. Other teams have integrated it very well. Um, every team does it differently. Sometimes the CR staff are also the foundation staff. Other times you look at the LA Dodgers and what Nicole has been out there and <clears throat> she has a whole different, it's like basically its own business with the amount of staff that she has running the LA Dodgers Foundation. So every team does it differently. But what we are seeing now is in the past, maybe, and, and let me say the leagues are starting to replicate that now too. So we are, Jake, to your point, pretty much every team in the big four has a foundation um, element or nonprofit element of their actual team. And you know, it used to be, okay, here, we'll just throw a little bit of money at this project, or we're going to do a kaboom playground or something. But I think over the last years, we've seen that now the teams are realizing by using the power of who we are as a brand, by using the power of the athletes that play for us, you know, we can actually help uh, raise awareness of Jake, to your point, these more traditional nonprofits out there or causes that need help. And we can, they can do it through a team because sometimes you're sitting at a game and you see a really great video. And like, I'm thinking back to when I was at the nationals, Ryan Zimmerman, Mr. National, you know, his mom has MS. MS is a cause dear to his heart. Some people might not think I'm just going to give to MS today, but when they're at the park and they see stuff and they see what Zim is doing and they go, oh my gosh, I want to help Ryan Zerman. I want to be his teammate. Let's give to MS Research. They can, you know, give to the foundation. And now what we're seeing is foundations are giving grants out. So it's becoming, we're seeing the team foundations actually partner with existing nonprofits or causes. And it's essentially what the leagues themselves have been doing forever. We're just now seeing it on the team side. 
Um, so like someone could give to stand up, stand up to cancer on their own, but maybe they, because they see it at the world series or they see it during the all-star game, they go, actually, I'm going to give to MLB because MLB just had thousands and thousands of people stand up to cancer in this moment. But it's just this, once again, it's the stronger together. And we're seeing team foundations be more of a pass-through or a grant outlet now just to help really rise um, rise the star of what's going on. Kim, real quick on, on that on that piece, like how have you seen also the partners get involved in that front? Because I think that's a huge component of the of the CSR impact world, right? And like what they're able to do. And can you have both a partnership and have kind of the foundation component built in all together to make it really um, powerful to tell the story? Jake, you took the words out of my mouth, um, right? I think people listening at the service may think, oh, me and Bridget have very different roles. Our departments may be at opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Partnerships, revenue generation, you think community and CR and foundation um, might not align there. But ironically, especially during the pandemic, cost marketing has taken off. Um, I think our partners and brands are starting to ask for more community initiatives. And um, we're seeing that and we're thinking that's not gonna just be you know, something stuck in last year. It's, it's gonna continue to be a trend. And so um, we really um, you know, put the pedal to the metal with our CR team to kind of continue to ideate new additional initiatives so that we can continue to bring forth these awesome platforms um, to partners um, and um, continue to make uh, an impact within our community. Do you think you have to convince the partners or are you seeing more partners come to the table with that request? I remember a conversation Bridget had with um, Bonita with League Apps and that was one of the questions because a lot of partners, maybe they're just so used to spending a certain way with the team, right? Like here's my rotational, here's my, you know, my pro, like whatever it may be. Are you having to get them to see the benefit of cause marketing? Absolutely. I think brands are proactively asking for it. Um, and it was actually a great um, you know, opportunity for Make Goods during COVID when we didn't have fans in arenas for certain assets. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that is smart. Look at that. I want to, I wanna, as, we, as we start to head near the end of the episode, before we get to rapid fire, I want to wanna touch on one thing in that um, Bridget, you mentioned growing up in Philly, uh, you know, passionate sports fan can't ignore that comment because come on, we all know that Philly sports fans are passionate, um, but it's different across all markets, right? And sports mean something different in each market uh, for Kim, you know, having been at multiple teams and leagues and like when you're on the league side or the TV side, right? Like you're very agnostic, like you do, it does, doesn't really matter, but then you're on the team side and you see the passion behind a fan base um, for both of you kind of what's the mindset differently when you're working for a team versus say a property and you're kind of away from the day to day and, and the fans and so on. Um, so it's funny you asked this because I just was at a two day conference and so I, I met some people who had been in a team and now transitioned to league level. And we were talking about, do you want to get back to a team? Do you not want to get back to a team? And I think the, the common sense is when you work or the common uh, consensus 
when you work for a team, you literally live and die for that team. You know, that arena, that ballpark, it is your second home. You most likely spend more time there than your home. Um, you, you know your schedule a year in advance. So I made a joke. I would, I would get the NAT schedule a year before it came out because I was at a, a certain executive level where I was able to see it and had say in, you know, what day the gala would be. And um, I would send it to my family and be like, red days, no weddings, no family events. Like, please stay away from this. Um, and it's one of those things, everybody is working for a common cause. And when there's nothing better than when your team's doing well, but when your team's not doing well, or if there's an executive controversy or a player controversy, that's where me, like, that's where what I do and what my team does, we can come in and we can help, you know, show the team in a good light and show everything that's happening off the field or off the court. And, you know, storytelling in the community space is, is 365 because what we're doing in the community space is 365. But at the league level, it's, it's different. You know, it's, you're able, one of the things I liked is I was able to actually be a fan of my hometown teams again. You know, I was able to go all in on the Phillies, go all in on the Flyers, the Sixers, the Eagles. And I, you didn't have to like hide that um, from when I was, you know, working for the teams in DC. But I will say I, I miss, there's a lot that I miss about working for a team. And despite Kim mentioned earlier, the long hours and just the ridiculous schedules, the, it, there is something amazing about working for a team and just really working to be champions, both, you know, on the field of play and then off it in your community. I would just echo what Bridget said, um, very family oriented on the team side. You're all together um, in it together on the grind, um, whether that's games, concerts, uh, different events that we have in our plaza and whatnot. So again, long hours. Um, league side, I think, again, um, it's going to be, as Bridget said, you're focusing very much on like the high level platforms because you don't specifically have your own kind of team games and whatnot. Um, so. Kareen, anything to add to that? No, I am um, rapid fire. I am ready for, I'm always ready for rapid fire. I don't think our guests are ready for rapid fire. None of their, they never are. And it's like, we put it in the email, you know, it's coming. Um, but I'll start with, um, I, I feel like I, I throw the softballs. So skydive or scuba dive? Scuba dive for me. Yeah. Skydive all the way. It's interesting. We didn't have the neither. Sometimes yeah. we have the neither. It's like, yeah. oh no. Not doing either. Um, all right. Kim, Bridget, if you could live anywhere in the country, where would you live? It's a toss up, but between Hawaii and Colorado. Mountains in Colorado, but Hawaii, like, love that kind of ocean and marine lifestyle. So when Kim's retired, we know where to find her. Got yes. it. If this was a few years ago, my answer would be totally different, guys. But, um, Honestly, back in Philly, I mean, it's just being close to family, being close to friends, aging parents, uh, Wawa, cheesesteaks, hoagies, a water ice, all the things. Um, but then, you know, if I had a little side budget where I could have an apartment, Kim, in Hawaii, an apartment in New Orleans, an apartment, yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be the dream. That is, yeah, that is the dream. Uh, surf or turf? Turf. Turf. 
All right. I like it. If you could, Bridget, you've been in basketball, baseball, hockey. If there was a sport that you haven't worked in yet that you would want to at some point before you retire, which is a while away, but uh, before that happens, where would you go? You know, it's so natural for me to say football because that's the only big four I haven't been in. But seriously, after having just binged watched two seasons of Ted Lasso, I think we're going to see this country really embrace soccer in a way that uh, it hasn't before. Um, and so I think it could be interesting to be in MLS or NWSL because um, I think soccer is really going to start taking off here outside of the areas where it already has its foothold. Soccer is definitely going to take off, especially as the World Cup comes to North America. So exciting space, y'all. Um, I grew up playing soccer, so there's my pitch for soccer. Um, I would say for me, um, I'm from Los Angeles, grew up near the ocean and whatnot. So World Surf League would be pretty cool to tour across the, the world and pretty exotic places. Seems pretty awesome. Yes, I never even thought about that. I would definitely, I don't know how much they will pay me, but I would work for, <laughs> I would work for World Surfing League. All right. Um, what is one thing you wish industry professionals did more? Hmm. Not a softball one. That wasn't a softball one. Usually Jake knows. I'm like, okay. Easy, one, two, three. But this one, I'm interested on your two perspectives. I think, you know, I'm just going to say just something. It's something I do, and it's something that just knowing Kim's, like, analytics background, it's building up your acumen outside of the sports industry. And I think that's, for me, you know, during the pandemic, I took a certificate course from Northwestern about um, – you know, traditional management or excuse me, traditional nonprofit leadership. And yes, the sports industry is different, but at the heart of it, it is a 501c3 nonprofit. And I've, I've all my experiences in professional sports. So it was something that I wanted to do to understand how an actual nonprofit really does live and breathe and regulations and board. And I think, you know, I'm not to speak for Kim, but for someone who's in analytics, whether it's on the business side or on the, the sport ops side, that stuff exists outside of sports too. And I think especially for this younger generation and the, you know, the introduction of sports management programs, and it's, it's very much sports, 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 but at the end of the day, you can learn marketing and it's going to be transferable, just like sports marketing finance. There's not really sports finance yet. It's finance and CPAs and CFOs. So I think that's, that's one thing um, that as we're, you know, continuing continually developing ourselves to to step outside of the sports industry and you know take opportunities um elsewhere love it kim take us home i completely agree with bridget i think having that growth mindset is so important i think a lot of us get stuck in that day-to-day -day kind of crying i need to get through my to-do list and so thinking big picture how can i um, continue to learn and grow, especially outside of sports and bring those learnings to your specific role within sports and whatnot um, is super helpful. So uh, Tableau is something that I wanted to learn. Um, I kept hearing people say it. I took a course on it. 
And now it's part of my day to day. And it's literally like a huge part of my current role. So. Cam, as someone who learned Tableau on the fly, um, when, when, you, my, you. oh yeah, my, well, when I was at the tour, my former, my former boss goes, have you ever heard of Tableau? I was like, no, she goes, now you will, um, <laughs> you're going to learn it. You're going to figure out how to build up kind of the, the BI and the analytics. So, uh, it takes a lot of learning and it's a totally different mindset. Cause it's like one of those things that I learned, you can never just like like emails or sales call, like you could do in 10, 15 minutes, easy. Like if you're going to do something in Tableau, you have to block out like at least an hour and sit and focus. Like, cause trying to go back to save work, it just doesn't work. Like it's, so it's, in, it's a different skill set of focus and all those sort of things. That's probably like a whole nother episode uh, that, that Kim and I could get into, but um, no, really appreciate the perspectives and insights from both Bridget and Kim and um, obviously both rock stars and, and really look forward to seeing what they're going to continue to do. Um, thank you so much for your time. Kareen, great co-host as well, Yes, uh, as always. And appreciate you guys being a part of the Pro Sports Assembly series on the Life in the Front Office podcast. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Bridget. I'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. <laughs>